Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. I'm so excited to introduce you to our fourth preacher in the A Little Help from Our Friends preaching series for this month. Katie, the Reverend Katie McKay Simpson is here with us as the senior minister of University United Methodist Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Katie is sort of a rock star within the denomination, known all around her region, especially as a voice for inclusion and hope in uh, a place that is not always easy to share that message. Katie and I go way back in that we met in our years together at Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary, which is a United Methodist seminary on the campus of Northwestern University. That is, we did seminary together, and in fact, Katie and I took an independent study together in preaching for an entire year where it was just the two of us and our instructor, and week after week, we would preach for each other. I know that my preaching was made better because of Katie's influence in it, and I am so grateful that you get to hear Katie's voice in this pulpit. Welcome, Katie. I hope you enjoy it, and congregation, I pray that you enjoy her voice as well. Stephen, you can lay it on as long as you want. I first want to start off by thanking Stephen for giving this invitation today. When he called about a month, month and a half ago, uh, I said, well, that's interesting, Stephen. You really want me to come up to Rochester in February? (laughs) And, you know, folks have been apologizing for the snow, frankly, for a person who lives in a place with fall, spring, summer, and more oppressive summer, it has been an absolute delight. I also want to thank um, a few of the staff just for your hospitality, Carl and Deb, and especially Reverend Kathy uh, for her personal hospitality over these hours that I've been able to uh, be with all of you and get to know this congregation. It has been a true privilege uh, just to see how truly strong and formidable and gifted and committed your staff is. You know this already, and yet I hope that at times you don't just note with your mind that you can feel it with your heart and not take that for granted because it is a true, deep, and rare gift to have in a a community such as this one. As we prepare to receive the message today, let us pray. Holy God, in this time of worship and reflection, rekindle in us a spirit of welcome not only outside of us, but within us. Help us to welcome everything that comes to mind and heart today as for our healing. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts bring release and freedom that is needed to truly open to your love, to your presence, and to your action within. Amen. So I don't know if there is a greater contrast that one can experience than the one I have over the past week, just with what has been happening in our cultural life in our respective places that we live and serve. 
Of course, you may have seen on the news uh, and, and experienced in some way, shape, or form the Mardi Gras celebration up here. Maybe you had pancakes on Fat Tuesday, cleaned out your pantry or something. But where we are, uh, it is uh, kind of party and parading for four to five weeks straight, particularly in these days leading up to Ash Wednesday. And so uh, we were just enjoying in the delight of humanity coming alive. And yet still, there is so much that uh, we share deeply in common as far as the transitions of this week as the street sweepers came and uh, offered uh, their services to clean everything away. Night came, dawn rose, and then Ash Wednesday began. Many of us had ashes uh, placed on our heads as a sign of our mortality and and we have prepared our hearts to begin a different rhythm, a different cadence as people of faith together and getting to fly up here to be with you to begin Lent at this time and to get to know your congregation in this particular moment. It is a true privilege. So as has been stated, Stephen told you that I'm from Louisiana, was born and raised in Baton Rouge, just a hop, skip, and a jump from New Orleans that people know a bit better, a land of Louis Armstrong and king cakes and crawfish and the French Quarter, the richest food you can find here in these United States, especially uh, except for the um, buttery lobster I had yesterday. That was really lovely. And we find that uh, now we are looking at the threshold and change uh, that we each are encountering in our own ways as we lean into this journey that we walk and traverse and navigate and share together with all we hold uh, in our hearts. Today, as we talk about thresholds, there are two people, two theological uh, thinkers that have had a meaningful effect in my life to understanding some of those change points and crossover places. The first one is Jan Richardson, and she says of these crossover times, whether we arrive at these in-between places by design, by accident, or by the choices made for us, the threshold can be a place of wonders. It can also be chaotic and discombobulating and even terrifying at times, yet a threshold, chosen or otherwise, is a place of wild possibility. John O'Donohue, in his book of, of um, Benedictus, To Bless the Space Between Us, says, a threshold is not a simple boundary as we usually understand it. It is a frontier that divides two different territories, rhythms, even atmospheres that can change. It is a real frontier that can't be crossed without having our heart being completely woken up again. So you may know that every threshold has its own encounter of both orientation, what are we doing here, what, uh, what kind of reading of the room can we experience, some disorientation, maybe seeing how our expectations or our way things are supposed to be uh, kind of dovetail or depart from uh, that experience. 
and then reorientation where we somehow integrate without and within where we are and come to a radical acceptance of what that may be both for the present and for the future. Those who experience this tension experience change, but they either find hope or perhaps great despair or uh, anger, uh, resistance, hesitation, or even grief. Often it is somewhere in between. And you are experiencing this even now with the changing of a beloved pastor and especially as you continue to try to hold the torch of this legacy that you have, uh, have built and continue to witness to and testify to through your work together over these 200 some odd years. It is a beauty to behold. And so naturally there would be probably some questions that you are holding right now, both individually and together. Our golden years, are they behind us? Or is there something yet to come? Uh, there is a part of our scripture today that I think speaks to that and helps us see that the people that are uh, pointed to in this text who are coming from 70 years of exile and struggle and separation having to go through their own cycle of orientation, disorientation, reorientation, all of that is being opened up again as they come to a familiar place where the temple once was, a place where their hearts and their families, every single part of their generational history was tethered in that place. They found themselves looking at an empty plot of land and had that same question, of are our best years behind, or is there still something yet to come? The passage uh, gives a chronicling of all that happened with the building of the altar, a small but really important sign of their hope that they were perhaps projecting into that place, even if it may not have been fully felt in the heart. They were building a tangible sign that might be an action that would help their hope lean into uh, the minutes and days and space that was coming before them. But even more, I think the compelling aspect of this story, one that we don't hear in Methodist churches very often, is this cacophony of voices. Did you notice it? And it's not just about the old and the young, because we hardly ever have our emotions fit in these categories of the generations we might inhabit. But it's so much more than that that it was this mixed set of voices that had uh, great joy and deep weeping and grief and everything in between. And uh, the expectations that they had for what they might see had to be released and it was an unbelievably difficult um, thing to offer. And so for us, I want us to try to find a place where we can let our hearts connect to that aspect of what they were experiencing. You heard that the adults weren't left out in the children's sermon. I wanna give a little bit more space to that today. 
in a way that maybe we don't allow ourselves to in the regular ordinary schedule of our weeks and even in worship where there are only choice, few moments where silence and reflection can be had and felt. But have you ever felt this way? When you were asked earlier and as you are asked now, can you think of a threshold time, a time where you were obviously crossing from one thing to another thing, whether it be just an event that you were anticipating for a long time or the changing of a complete season of your life that requires different gifts, different um, ways of relating to the world and maybe uh, releases some of the ways that you show up in leadership or uh, in engagement with what you know. Take a moment, really, and see what comes to mind. The people that were there, the voices that spoke into that moment that were perhaps helpful or hurtful. The ways that this moment have formed you even now and have helped to teach you for the things that you have encountered since that time. In these weeks of Lent, if we're honest with ourselves, we really do experience this same level of upheaval, a time of reflection and reconnection, even unearthing of all of the growth that is often hidden, but always underneath the surface. You know, the ground literally around us right now may be frozen and hard to kind of dig into, much like our hearts at different moments may be. But as we uh, dig in and even in the midst of disorientation, welcome all that is hidden and all that God may have in store for us, uh, we may find that it is only in those places where we have to move those places where our usual, uh, our usual ways of being have to be displaced, uh, that we find what really God wants us to see. It's these times of rebuilding where uh, we may only find that our comfort and our relative perception of strength or pride is the very thing that keeps us from what God hopes for us to be. There was a story that I saw from a rabbi. Uh, she serves in Los Angeles. It was in the New York Times recently. And she was telling about a pilgrimage ritual in ancient Judaism. And again, there's our Judeo-Christian brothers and sisters. And I find it fascinating being able to learn from their wholehearted way of uh, connecting uh, to faith and to God and speaking it not only with their words, but with their actions. And in this ancient tradition, uh, the faithful would come multiple times per year, crossing the threshold of the second temple. Again, uh, an outgrowth of this time that we were seeing from scripture. And as they crossed over this center of their Jewish religious and political life, they all of a sudden would, in entering, go in different directions. So there are some that would automatically veer left and begin to traverse the space in a circle and others would veer and traverse right. And those outside of this space would maybe look at it and find it to be odd, this crossways um, way of connecting with each other, but they knew in a wordless way 
that one way was people that had a relative sense of stability in their lives, as much as any of us are really stable. But the people to the right had some kind of unresolved grief and struggle that they were working on. It was this cacophony of lives that had an embodied representation of the mixed up nature that we all have when we enter into these spaces as community together. The beautiful thing among all of it was that as they were traversing and even clashing with each other, when one that was coming to the left would encounter one that was coming to the right, they would catch each other's eye. And the one in a relative place of strength would say, what is breaking your heart today? And the one that was to give the answer would tell their story. And after all of that, however long it took as the bodies continued to walk and journey around them, they found that the one that was in that place of strength would offer their other sibling a blessing, saying, may the most high God and holy one comfort you. You are not alone. This timeless wisdom speaks to what it is to be human in a world of change and pain, and it really speaks to the fact that all of us, at one point or another, may be going left or right in the state of our hearts. And in the times where we are in strength, we know that there will be others where we will be served by those uh, that were once in need. And so as we continue in our uh, respective places, you as you uh, traverse this time of transition, and as we all, as United Methodist Connection, continue to, to traverse what it is to be family worldwide, there are some key questions that maybe we can hold that might be instructive for us. On which threshold are you now standing? Can you name it? What are you exiting in your life and what in that threshold are you indeed entering? It's helpful sometimes uh, to change the question to, to a more collective orientation. What is preventing us from crossing whatever next threshold is before us? And what gift or healing is needed that would enable us to do just that to which God is calling us. Stephen mentioned it, again, I didn't know that that message would be given before, uh, before the sermon, but it's true. I want you to hear from me today how truly inspirational and unfortunately rare your ministry as Asbury First is in the broader connection. We hope that in the years to come, that may not be the case, but serving in just about as deep south in the continental United States as you can get with our own mixed history that is connected and yet uh, differentiated from your own here in New York, you are a beacon of light to us. Those of us that wish to one day have the intersectional approach to compassion and justice that you have naturally had because of an outgrowth of who you are and the permission around you to be able to fully live into it. 
the way that you have been able to welcome those of all different ethnicities and orientations and races and the way that you even most recently had the true privilege that it was to marry a couple that had been waiting to be blessed by United Methodist Church. What a blessing and a gift you are for those like myself as a clergy person in my own congregation who are just pining and waiting to follow behind you and along your side. And so I hope today that even with the questions that you have, church, even with all of the uncertainties or even uh, uh, wonderings or frustrations, that you can be encouraged that you are exactly where you need to be right now. And perhaps this, this next chapter could be the healing that you don't know that you need. There is one thing I do know, and I believe it as I've been interacting with you with every fiber of my being, that you have everything that you need in this moment to meet whatever is before you. You're not waiting for someone else to be able to bring the gifts to this place to chart forward. You're not waiting for more money or more this or more that. Whatever the fill in the blank has been for you, I want to break that open and say that you are right now in this very moment more than enough. And it's because God has been paving the way to provide you every single person and resource to meet this very day. My prayer for you is that you will not only hear, but also embody even more deeply now the invitation that is always before us, that you will continue a wild and intuitive curiosity with each other as you journey this way together through Lent and beyond that you will have the courage to release the attachments to perhaps the carefully constructed plans you've made for yourselves, both in your individual and family lives and also in this beautiful church. I pray too that you'll always show up for people, that you'll give voice to the places and the people who are broken and need healing and need to be heard. As you cross your own threshold, may you be captivated by wonder, trusting in each other, and attempting too to trust all that is emerging, even if it is difficult to understand. In closing, I pray that you will allow every moment to wash over you and bring you awe and joy and even tears, laughter, always gratitude, and joy in living and sharing life together as you discover exactly the world that awaits you. And in that discovery, together, the world will indeed be blessed by your witness. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. 
If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.